0: Okay, good morning. Um, So, I've got teased now from the front. won't mention about being short. So, there's the reason I'm preaching up here. I have preached from below there, and I can only see the first three rows. So, I like to see everybody, and I'm sure everyone wants to see me. Maybe some don't, but the majority might. And so, here I am. Um, Welcome to 2023. This is the first meeting of the Bay City Church 2023. Um, We did actually have a phenomenal New Year's service um, last week, and singing and praising in the New Year, there's something to be said about praising and singing in a new year with your people, with your community. And as that timer is going down, we know God is outside of time, but he put time in place for us humans to mark certain things so that we know what's going on. And there was something very powerful about transitioning from one year to the next with your community. Okay, before I get going, parents, I know, I know, December has been long without Auntie Jo, I understand, I too was there, children are going to make noise, if they're getting a bit hectic, just do the foyer patrol, okay, just take them out to the foyer, we're going to get through Auntie Jo, she's meeting with her people next week, and then kids' work I think starts the following week, so we're nearly there, we're nearly there, you guys have done amazing. You would have received also a message from Sheldon if you're on the Bay WhatsApp group, a a video message. Um, He has just messaged me now. He has landed, and he is on his way to a Korean barbecue. (laughs) Um, It's still 10.30 in the morning for him, Um, but it is 5 o'clock in the evening in Korea. So he is safe and sound on the other side. He was a little bit apprehensive because this is a, a new thing. But you know, spiritual assignments are not just for the pastors. Spiritual assignments are not just for the leaders of the church. Spiritual assignments are for all of us. God sends us on these dis- different assignments. And this is an assignment he has sent Sheldon on. And you think, oh, it's well, Sheldon. He's got this in the bag. He ain't got nothing in the bag. I can tell you that much. The man was very stressed. Because its you don't know what you're walking into. But you know God has sent you. So you go by faith. So pray for him. Um, we also had one of our circuits in our house blow last night. And my air fryer nearly blew up. But, you know, these kinds of things happen. And I took authority in the kitchen and said, not today, Satan. Okay. We're not playing games this year. But he will be back next week, uh, Sunday. We will be, uh, he'll be coming in, I think, at 5 in the morning. And he is preaching. So, yeah. No, it's 2023. You've got to go now. It's work time. You don't get to dilly-daddle around. I honour my husband to his face, but I also like to honour him behind his back. Sheldon has taken, has started us on a journey of end times and revelation, like nothing I've actually heard before, in a way that I've not heard before. And I want to honour him for that. And he's very passionate about what he's doing. And just you know, we haven't even reached revelation yet. You know, we're still in the prelude here. We're still in the in the lead up. So if you are new, if you've just joined, it's on our podcast. You can catch up on the series and he will be continuing that next week. Now, in the Christian world, you get different types of preachers. Okay? You get those that can take the word and really expound on it. You get the teachers, you get, man, you get those you get those clever chaps, eh, like Martin. We hung out with Martin the other day, and I'm always like, man, that guy just knows what he's talking about. And then you get me. And, um, yeah. I am like what you'd like to call... I've actually just made it up. I made it up last night. Um, I'm an experiential preacher. If I am going through something, experiencing something, I want to tell you about it. Not to tell you, like, oh, how great I'm doing... More, more often than not, I want to tell you I've fallen flat on my face, but I, we, I like hearing experiential preachers because it helps me in my journey. So you're going to get one of those um, raw Kathleen messages this morning. So here we go. We know life is a journey, okay? It's always those wise, sage people's Life is a journey. It's not about the destination. And we're like, yeah, but man, I'd like to get to that destination. Let me tell you something. I'm tired. But life is a journey. Christianity is a journey. But you know, when you go on a journey, a car journey, train ride, even on an airplane, the scenery changes. Except when you're going to Joburg and you're going through the Karoo, that's at least 36 hours of your life you'll never get back because that scenery never changes. But it does eventually change. You've all done it. You know what I'm talking about. Well, we as the Bay City Church, we've been on a journey. In October of this year, we will be 30 years old. In February of this year, Sheldon and I would have been leading this church for nine years. And we've been on a massive journey in nine years. And um, I've had a look around... And it would seem that the scenery is changing. And when the scenery changes, I'm one of those people that wants to know why is the scenery changed, what's going on, what's the deal. Others have just put on their glasses and they're like, oh, it's great. And off we go. I want to know what's going on. And then I'm going to tell you what, what I think is going on. And then we can take it from there. But it's, it's, we're at a time as the Bay City Church where we've actually got to stop and take stock because things are happening very quickly. So the scenery changes, and we know as Christians that, well, I hope we know as Christians, because there are some Christians I meet that maybe believe something else, but I'm here for a reason. You're here for a reason. You're not just here to lollygag around, and then uh, you get to heaven, and then you do some more lag- lollygagging for literal eternity. Like, Surely there's more. Surely I'm put on this earth because there's some part I have to play in a time in history for my king and his kingdom. Surely that's the plan. If that's not the plan, what are we doing? What are we doing? So therefore, if there's a plan and the scenery is changing, we as the children of God have a mandate. What is our mandate? Nine years, it has taken nine years. Now, let me put it this way. If the church has been going for 30 years, we have a mandate as the church we have a mandate as the global church but each church has its own mandate from god and it's not that a mandate changes but a mandate extends and i feel like in the last 9 years our mandate as the bay city church god has started to expand and say all right now you're going to we're going to look into that we're going to look into this what we know as the bay our mandate is to affect this community affect the city, and affect this nation. We'll just keep it there for now. Do you agree with me? Is that what we're here for? Okay, just, just checking, just checking. Because then I might have to go and preach down the road. Maybe, maybe they're there with me. But that's fine. Sometimes the scenery changes, and we keep going. But I think we're living in a time where we have to stop. Because it's not normal anymore. Things aren't going normally anymore. Now, sometimes we have to actually zoom out of our own worlds and actually look at the bigger picture of what's going on, which for a lot of people is very scary, I understand. But that's why the church is here, because we help filter it down. I went on social... Now, I actually don't like social media. Um, It's a toxic place. It's, It's not a great place. But it's a very interesting place, because you get the social temperature... Of what's going on in the world. You get the temperature of where your everyday person is at. So I was on the TikTok, don't hold your judgment. (laughs) It was 2020. We all did weird stuff, okay? We leave it there in 2020, okay? I don't do TikTok anymore, but it's very interesting the things that you see. And I just, this was, what I've got here was just 20 minutes of my life of scrolling. A Canadian father was jailed for calling his daughter by her pronouns. In Canada, it's law for a parent to use the gender-affirming pronouns to whichever gender the child is feeling. If parents do not, they will be charged on a criminal offense of family violence. This is true. I I double-checked all this stuff as well. Oxford is about to introduce 15-minute cities, which basically means from where you live... Your health care, your work, your shopping or whatever has to be within 15 minutes of your home. If you need to travel outside your zone, and interestingly, they actually called it districts. So I was like, you ought is it Hunger Games? Um, if you want to travel outside, you have to get permission from the council. Yeah, it's a real thing. It's happening. It's now only going for public uh, vote now, but the the Council Council of Oxford has put it through. Because climate change. Don't get me started there. But anyway. Doctor and father arrested in California for driving his family off a cliff in a Tesla. They all survived. And Elon Musk is like, yes, they did. Eight people were found dead in a home in Utah the father, 42 years old, shot his wife and his mother-in-law and his five kids before turning the gun on himself. There's a term that's been uh, thrown around for the last kind of year and a bit that I've heard called MAPS. MAPS is a term used for pedophiles, whereas they are now not, no longer to be used termed that. They are now to be termed minor attracted persons. Oh, it gets so much worse. There is now a group of people who are fighting for the maps so that they do not get discriminated against in society. I don't know if any of you followed the story that happened with Balenciaga. Balenciaga is a top name brand, like a Louis Vuitton. They did an ad campaign. I think it was either November or early December. And the ad campaign featured children between the ages of three, four, and five standing in bedrooms with teddy bears who were in bondage outfits. The world actually said something and said, this is, this is nonsense. They quickly took it off and put something else on. But can you see how things are being pushed and tested on, on society to see how far they can go? Klaus Schwab, you don't know Klaus Schwab, he heads up the World Economic Forum. Go and do your research on them. He is proposing that we decriminalize pedophilia and normalize the age gap love and how this is nature's way of cleansing the world and controlling the rate at which the population grows, which goes straight in he's got a depopulation agenda. Decriminalize pedophilia. Okay, do you hear where this is going? Now I'm going to bring it a little bit closer to home because sometimes when it's out there, it's out there. We had that massive gas truck explosion. That's not normal, guys. That kind of stuff is not normal. Then a tanker overturned in Yerkelene two weeks after that gas explosion and people rushed towards it to siphon the fuel. Bearing in mind that explosion had just happened. We, as of October 2022, have had 192,720 hours of load shedding, just in 2022. While we were in stage six load shedding in December, Minister Gwede Mantashe, the Minister of Energy and Minerals, accepted the African Petroleum Minister of the Year Award. Montashe was honored with the award for portraying great leadership in the energy sector. You literally can't make this stuff up. I wish I was making this up, because it's nonsense. There was the attempted murder of um, Andre de Rater on Tuesday. His coffee was laced with cyanide. Are you kidding me? <laughs> South Africa is now classed as a water-stressed country country's sewage pollution crisis, and I brought this one up because Fisher said it right eh? yeah, the country's sewage pollution crisis is set to continue with 40% of all wastewater already being left untreated. Of the 824 wastewater treatment works that we have in this country, 30% are in a critical state, and 20% are in a poor state, so it's basically worse and worse Sounds great, eh, guys? We on, we're, we're clearly on the up and up. So you're like, Kathleen, why are you telling us this at the beginning of 2023? Like, where is the hope? Right? Where is the hope? We throw this word a lot around here, ecclesia. If you are new or if you haven't been with us a while, I'm going to give you the quick definition just so you can be on the same page as where we are with the ecclesia, The Ecclesia describes a redeemed group of people who are summoned and assembled to be granted authority to accomplish the business of heaven on earth, a ruling council or legislative body. The word Ecclesia, unfortunately, has been misinterpreted through the Bible as the church. It's not actually the church. The Ecclesia is a called-out group of people who understand who they are in Christ, understand the authority they have, and then they get what God wants to do, and then they speak his word over the situation. They legislate. They bring heaven's order to the situation. So do we believe we are the Ecclesia? Okay? So if we believe we are the Ecclesia, then there's some things we need to do. Also, the Ecclesia is not this... um, magical thing that us Christians do as the Ecclesia, and we go around and, uh, ah, escom, sort World peace! Like, it's not that. It's not weird. It's not airy-fairy. It's very real, and it's very practical, and it's very feet on the ground. But it requires intentionality. So, it's key if you don't know your lane, or if you don't know your mandate, the ecclesia and being a legislative body is not going to make any sense to you. But if you know who you are, you know what the mandate is, being part of the ecclesia becomes very clear. So we agree that we co-labor with God. We're co-laborers. We partner with him. We have the same, do we agree that we have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead within us? Is that something we agree on as the children of God? So that spirit is the spirit of God. God spoke the world into being. God created with his mouth. We have that same ability. Now you're like, oh, careful, Kathy. If the unsaved have got the notion that they can manifest things in their life by speaking things out to the universe, I'm sorry, where did it start first? They have the same spirit. theirs is just not activated in Christ. So if they're able to manifest things in their lives, we as the children of God and as the Ecclesia should be able to do a hell of a lot more. And not just for ourselves. For our community. For our city. For our nation. Right? So, God took me to Exodus 14. And Exodus 14 is the actual crossing of um, the Red Sea. So, this is, <laughs> if you, how do I put this, um, over the past kind of, I would say, two years, you you will hear a lot of preachers say, we're in the days of Noah, we're, in, we're, we're crossing the Red Sea, we're crossing the Jordan into the promised land, and I'm like, okay, cool, so, If we're in the days of Noah, then that would mean so that and that went down on this day because I'm a human and I want to work out the formula because I want the formula on how we get out of this, okay? But it gets very confusing when they're like, we're in the days of Noah, then the next guy's like, we're crossing the Jordan. I'm like, so we, uh, no, we're crossing the, okay, great. Oh, now we're in the promised land. We're back, not in the promised land. It gets very confusing as a Christian But God's like, it's not about that. It's about what he did in those situations. That's how we work out what is going on. It's also how we as humans are wired. We love a formula because it just makes life a lot more simple, right? If if I do A plus B, I'm going to get that. But with God, it is just never like that. It's the not knowing in the knowing. You know that God has spoken something over your life. You know that you know. How do you know? Well, you've maybe received a prophetic word, or even five that are saying the same thing. He has spoken to you through scripture. You know that he's spoken. It's been confirmed to you. But quite literally nothing is playing out. That's the not knowing. How to be secure in the not knowing in the knowing. So we will agree that he works all things together for the good of those who love him. If I love him, if you have received a word of your life and you love the Lord, he works all things, not just the things you can see, the things that go into generations. I felt him say that to me last night. He said, I'm working out things now that will affect your great-grandchildren. But I get so stuck in the now. I get so stuck in the thing that is in front of my face. But he wants to unstick us. And also, I don't know if you've noticed, sometimes you... You, you hear, uh, um, oh, you know, if you, you decree this every day for 10 days, then you know God's going to move, and you're like, cool, and you're decreeing, and then suddenly something happens, and then you're like, oh, my gosh, I've got it, and then the next thing comes up, and you decree for 10 days, and nothing happens. Yeah, that stuff drives you right to the ground, because you're like, did I get it wrong? You have self-doubt. You go, you're spinning all around. No, that's just God, and that's how he's worked, because he doesn't do the same thing the same way twice. So imagine, so if we believe that his word is true and we take our God-given authority in the spirit and we begin to speak heaven's order according to the mandate he has given us, things begin to change. And I had this thought last night, imagine if every church did that. Every church knew their mandate and then every church legislated according to their mandate for their area, oh my goodness, the advancement of the kingdom would be almost unstoppable. The only time it is okay for a church to be territorial is in the spirit against the enemy. All other times, it's not okay. It's not okay. So we're going to go to Exodus 14. It is a bit of a longy but there's quite a few things that God has pulled out of here. So they're crossing the Red Sea in Exodus 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of Pi HaHiroth, between Migdol and the sea, in front of Baal Zephon. You shall camp in camp facing it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, They are wandering in the land, the wilderness has shut them in and I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed towards the people. And they said, what is this that we have done, that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariots, and took his army with him, took 600 chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. The Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, and his horsemen and his army, and overtook them encamped at the sea by pi ha in front of Baal-zephon. Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. There's a few people in the world I would love to never see again. The Lord will fight for you. And you have only to be silent. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, so that they shall go in after them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host, his chariots and his horsemen. He says that three times in the scripture about him having it over Pharaoh and all his hosts. And when God says something, he follows through. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. Then the angel of God, sorry, I've just skipped there, and and Lord, and when I've gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Verse 19, then the angel of God, who was going before the host of Israel, moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud moved before them and stood behind them coming between them and the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. There was, the clou- there was the cloud and the darkness, and it lit up the night, without one coming near the other all night. Because many commentators say it took all night for that sea to part. Okay? It wasn't like the movies. It wasn't magic. Okay? It was dip time. God's never in a hurry. Watch, the Lord in the pillar of fire and of cloud looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into panic, clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, Let us flee before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch your hand over the sea, and the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course. And when morning appeared, and as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen. Of all the host of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea, not one of them remained. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being to the wall on their right and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians, so the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and his servant Moses. It's just a few things I'm going to to pull out from there. But before I do, I want to talk about hope fatigue. I have had hope fatigue. I'm a very hopeful person, especially when it comes to the things of the Lord, I mean, I will hope for pretty wild stuff. But 2020, from 2020 up until 2022, it's like you have hope and it's like it's deferred. Hope and it's deferred. Hope and it's deferred. And you you keep trying to pick yourself up all the time. It's called hope fatigue. And a fatigue is where something is weakened because of constant pressure. 2022 was, for me, constant pressure. And you do, you begin to weaken. But my hope is a person. My hope is a person. And you see, hope deferred always comes from a place where we have placed our expectations on God. And when he doesn't meet our expectations, hope defers, we get sick, and more often than not, we blame God. Actually, it was us in the first place. We just need to own that. We just need to own that. He cannot disappoint us. If he has spoken a word, he is no man that he should lie. He will carry it through because he works all things together for the good of those who love him. And just because I didn't see those things happen in the time frame, I decided. But you know how I decide. This is how I decide. I'm like, Lord... Come before you. I'm decreeing. I'm declaring, and, and I'm like, you've got. I'll give you. Six, you've got six months, Lord. I mean, I know mean, you're busy, but like, you've got more than enough time. And in six months, he's like, but it's not for six months. I know when it's for. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's not easy when you're in that place. Trust me, it's not easy because you want to know that okay, at this kind of time, then things are going to change. The things you've been hoping for but I've watched change happen personally in my family situation that, A, had, did not stick to the time frame that I had. I could have done, we could have done this a lot sooner. But you know what he does? He does way more than I could possibly ever think or imagine in that situation. And I was like, oh, I didn't think of that. Ooh, I didn't, ooh. And actually, you have to sit back and you go, thank you, Lord, because I didn't see all of that. And if he hadn't have done this, this wouldn't have happened That's with that person. And if he hadn't done that, but I don't see all of that. I can't judge it by what I don't see, okay? That's not how we live. That's not how we told we're meant to live. And in the hope fatigue and in all of that, you have fall-down days. I call them fall-down days. Fall-down days consist of, quite literally, me falling down. More often than not on my bed or on my carpet, crying my eyes out, Giving up all hope, I don't believe it anymore. You know, the same old, same old human rubbish that we do. But they happen, okay? Bless my husband. He he knows he can't preach at me in those moments. He did try that once. It didn't go down very well. Um, he just leaves me, and I've got to come to. And I'm just despairing, and I'm just. You know when you just go silent and you don't want to talk and you're like, that's it, Lord. And you're actually having it out with the Lord. And so it's gone on for a couple of hours and my phone beeps. And I was like, I'm not even looking at my phone. I I don't even want to know anymore. But of course I look at my phone because that's what we do, right? So I look at my phone and on my one telegram channel, it's the DRSA channel, it says, and it just comes up with a heading, all hope is not lost. And I was like, that's not even funny. I mean, it's kind of funny, but like, no, I'm, I'm here. I want to be here rolling around like in my despair. and like, Because eh. we want to feel justified, okay? We want to feel justified, but God just doesn't roll like that. So yeah, he was having a bit of a giggle, but all hope is never lost because my hope is a person. So the thing with fall down days is that you've got to get up again. And too many Christians take fall down days and fall down days become weeks, they become months, they become years. And then we're victims. Yep. I don't know if you've noticed that victimhood is probably possibly become almost like a cult yep. in the world today. Yep. Everyone's a victim, yep. everyone's offended. Yep. They're looking for the justification for their pain. Yep. I'm sorry, as a Christian, as a child of God, I have no justification. Yep. I don't. I have got to get up again, Lingo. just like my responsibility is to my kids. I can't fall down for a year and go, sorry guys, I just can't parent, I can't be your mom for like a year, (laughs) because like, you know, fall down, hey, like, I have a responsibility because I brought them into this world, I have used that one, yes, at times, (laughs) I brought them into this world, they are my responsibility and I best get up, I best dust myself off and I best do the best job, possible job I can for my children. As a Christian, you don't have the option of the fall down day going on for weeks, months, and years. You've got to get up again. So, what happens? The little message comes through, and it's like he never lets you go. He just doesn't. He's always there, just a little bit, a little bit more. And eventually, he begins to break that hope deferred that I created off me, because that's how big he is. That's how amazing he is. And the next day, I'm back, back up and I'm ready to go. 2022 December, I had big dreams for 2022 December. Firstly, it was just going to be so relaxing. Um, secondly, uh, we were just going to have the most amazing family memories ever. It was just going to be the December to remember. However, it, wasn't, it was the December to remember, but it was filled with like the most beautiful moments and breakdowns that you've ever come across. Like there was fighting, and then there was beautiful family times, and there was like, and there was so much busyness. I was more busy in December than I'd been all year. But that's the life of a Christian. (laughs) We romanticize everything. Oh, this is what it's going to be like. And then when it's not, and I felt God said, but look back and look what actually happened in December 2022. I had the most incredible family Christmas that we haven't had in in a while. With my, with my folks and my extended family. Beautiful, beautiful moments together that only God can orchestrate. So here we get back to the, the Israelites. They leave Egypt, okay? Defiantly, they leave Egypt. It also sounds that they weren't too keen on leaving Egypt, and they're like, and we told you that we didn't want to leave because we didn't want to be buried there. Anyway, they left. Some commentators do say that not all of Israel left Egypt, okay? I'm not putting that up for debate. I have my ever saying that over the last three years, from what I've seen our humanity behaves, I kind of think that could be true. Why leave slavery when slavery is uh, doing quite well for you? When you have a roof over your head or you have the, the money coming into the bank. However, that's not, a, that's not what we're debating now. So the Israelites leave. And in verse 11 the Israelites have a fall-down day. Because in verse 11, what happens is that they say to Moses, it's because there are no graves in Egypt that you have now taken us away to die in the wilderness. What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Was kind of my um, fall-down day this week. You said that it would be this and it's not and it's that. And they were having a fall-down day, okay? The other interesting thing is that when you have these, um, these fall-down moments in life, because they, they do happen, it is really how you get back up again. And the Israelites, listen, they didn't have it super easy, but th- this is what I found so interesting, that it was through the night. Now, if you can imagine, they're now encamped, the sea is there, they've got nowhere out, the, the literal people who want to kill them are now in sight. They can see them coming down. Now what? Okay? I, I myself have never been in that position, and I think sometimes we like to romanticize biblical stories, and we like to spiritualize them to a point that becomes completely like you can't actually relate to it because it's too spiritual. These were just people. Okay? If we had a horde of, let's say, orcs coming over the mountain... And, like, we had Musenberg behind us, because, like, basically it's Lord of the Rings playing out right now. Orcs are coming, and, like, Sheldon has said, like, noit, we're going to trek. And then, like, suddenly we're surrounded by mountains. Orcs are coming. I'm going to be like, are you sure you heard from the Lord? Because it's not looking great. Okay? That's just the human side of it. Be human. They were humans. Moses, human. He even killed another human. I was, I did have this thought... You know, Moses killed someone before the Ten Commandments. So is he like in the clear? (laughs) Just a thought I had. It just popped into my head last night. So through the night, okay, they're coming. So what does the Lord do? A, he doesn't rush, okay? He's not like, "Ah." Moses, hoi, the staff open. And he wasn't God like throwing people across the like thing, trying to get it as done in the movies with, God's like, i got time here. I'm going to put a protection barrier between the two of you. No one moved. God was in control. He knew his timing. He also said that it would walk through on dry ground. It wasn't like, I know I said that, sorry, it's a bit muddy, like, but just make do, just go, go. It doesn't work like that. So if it didn't work like that then, why are we expecting that now? Amen. Because let's be honest, at the beginning of 2020, when all this was kind of rolling out, and we kind of were getting to the August, and we were like, mm, something's not smelling right in the world at the moment, and we were like, yeah, we're crossing, and I expected to cross that uh, Jordan in December 2020, and yet here we are, still crossing, and with Noah on the ark, and Nothing happens fast with the Lord, yet we're in a time of acceleration. <laughs> how does that work? How does that work? Have you noticed how quickly things are going? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. It's not just something we say anymore. Yeah. I actually, I made a mental note. I said to my one friend, um, it was literally December 1st. I was like, yeah, you know, before we know it, I'm going to be wishing you happy new year did I blink, you know, and you say, and just in a blink of an eye, I'm going to be wishing you happy, 2023, Susan, it literally was a blink of an eye, and God says, you know, and we also love those words, don't we, you're going into a time of acceleration, and we're like, yes, we're in time, and then like, we're actually in it, and everyone's like, it's going so fast, why is it so fast, it's just got to slow down, but no, <laughs> we're in the time of acceleration, why does God accelerate things, because he wants to protect us, and I believe he accelerated the people across the Red Sea, because there was a lot of people you've got to get through in a very short amount of time. I, I do believe he was like, Let time accelerate us get them through. The other thing he said to Moses, Lift your staff and open in verse twenty one. In verse twenty six he said, Lift your staff and close. God is not a God of a half job. And he's not like, okay, you open Moses, and then once I've hoyed them through, then don't worry, I'll just close it, and then you go, go, go. He's like, no, 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 you're a co-laborer here. You're my servant and my son. What I've asked you to open, you're going to close. As the ecclesia, we are asked to open, and we're asked to close. But I find sometimes we, we miss that last part there, because we're just like, oh, God, God will. Do you know what God does do? He deals with the enemy. Because in verse 27, it says the following. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course. When the morning appeared, and as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. He dealt with them. It's not for us to deal with the enemy. We are there to open, close, legislate, and he does the rest and to know the sign of the times. We're not living in normal times. When I read out what I read out, it's not to scare you. Not to scare you, because we don't need to be scared. But it's time to wake up, guys. And that's been for a long time in the church. I've heard sermon after sermon, guys, wake up. It's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. Unfortunately now, if you're not awake by this point, I don't know. But I know at the Bay City Church, we're pretty awake people. I know, I can feel it, I can sense it in the room. You know we're on the move and we're going somewhere. So bearing that in mind, as now we understand who we are, we are the ecclesia, we're going to break bread because we would not be any of this if it weren't for that, if it weren't for the finished work of the cross. We would not be who we are today. We wouldn't be where we are today because of that blood. Because of that blood, I can legislate in the Spirit. Because of that blood, I can open it and I can close. Because of that blood, I can get up on my fall-down day, and I can do it again the next day and go in with all hope. Because of that blood, my hope is a person, not in my standards that I set for God and when, he think, when I think he should fulfill things. Would you stand with me? And what we're going to do, you're going to fetch your um, wine, not your wine, your grape ties, and your bread, and then we're going to do our rise declaration, our declaration over South Africa, because basically, church, that's our mandate, is this country. That is what we're here for. We're here to legislate, and things are looking quite bad. And I'm sorry, I cannot get on board with what I hear around, and even out of Christians' mouths, well, we're going the way of Zimbabwe, it's going to happen. Yep, she says what it is. It's going to get worse and worse and worse. I cannot. I, there is something in me. I just, I'm like, no. But no. I know I'm supposed to go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't. That's not in me. It goes against everything I am as a child of God. Then, if that is the case, beam me now up, Scotty, please. Let's do this whole riding on the clouds. I'll go and get my rapture mat from the dry cleaners. I'm ready to go. What is the point? I won't delve into that side because that's where Sheldon is. But I'll tell you this: that the rapture is not a rescue plan. Amen. It's not a rescue plan. Amen. It's the plan. Okay? It's not like, oh, it's going to get so bad, and then, then He's just going to beam us out of here. No, guys, it's not a rescue plan. So we're going to take our um, our wine, and we're going to do our declaration. We're going to we're going to do our, our our covenant, and then we're going to, from that place. And I want you, with everything in your hearts, to go. I am the ecclesia, and this declaration, I am opening, and I'm closing, and I'm legislating of this country, because let me tell you, this country has so much going for it. God is moving on this land, and I'm sorry, the Bay City Church, we're going to be on the forefront of it. We are on the forefront of it. So, will you stand with me? Will you come and fetch your, your bread and your wine? And then we will do it together, and we will do our declaration.